listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood. And today on the program, I have AJ Feliciano. He is the head of the Roost Podcast Network at Rooster Teeth, Warner Brothers and Discovery. And I'm super excited to have him on the show. Welcome to the program, AJ. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So I always have to kind of just get into people's backstory a little bit. What landed you in podcasting? What was the attraction? Oh, man, it was a complete accident, actually. Um, My background is actually in network television uh, or cable network television. I used to be an unscripted development executive for sci-fi and USA networks, and I got to just work on some really amazing shows. And so that's where I sort of got uh, my creative sort of uh, the creativity, you know, sort of bubbling up there. And then from there, I went to a small tech startup. And then, you know, later on, Richard T called me up and I sort of started with them as just doing general BD, which, you know, to all of your listeners, uh, general BD means nothing. And it means everything at the same time. (laughs) And it really all depends on what you do with it. And so you know, having assumed this role and just trying to figure out new revenue streams for the company, I started to look at the podcast operation. I said, wow, there's something really special here. You know, the sales are just really punching above the way and taking a look at the entire market. They were doing something really special there. And so um, I sort of wedged myself into the podcast world, started to build on its strengths and, you know, the Roost Podcast Network from then on, you know, just grew year after year. And so I'm grateful to have found that opportunity. So I feel like podcasting sort of found me and we found each other in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story. And I think that that's the case with so many people in the industry. And so like what, I mean, have you been there since the beginning? Like what year was that? I mean, obviously it sounds like you're kind of one of the, the thought leaders behind even the creation of it. Uh, So funny enough. So Rooster Teeth as a media company, we've been around for about 20 years. You know, we got started in 2003. This is before YouTube was even around. I think YouTube started in 2005. But it was a company that really made its name uh, once YouTube started to come into existence. And we were known for all sorts of things, animation, you know, live events, um, our content that we put up on a number of different platforms. But, you know, podcasting was part of the bigger pie. And so we started podcasting about 15 years ago. And then fast forward 10 years to five years ago, that's when I joined Rooster Teeth and moved out to Austin and helped to build out the Roost Podcast Network. The podcast network was actually started by our head of sales. And then a few months later, he brought me on. And that's when I started to, you know, really build it out to what it looks like today. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. That's so great. So I love that really kind of not, I mean, obviously there was the creation aspect that pulled you into podcasting, but also the sales opportunities. And since we are here to talk about podcast advertising, I always just like to look at that. So I'm just kind of curious, what was it about that kind of maybe ad sales process or what was it that from a revenue perspective really attracted you um, and the company to podcast? Um, I, I think, you know, I'm focused on just the revenue, you know, driving stuff in the podcast realm. Like people jump into podcasting for different reasons, right? Um, you know, somebody might do it because they're creating talkers, they're creating scalable content where they can sort of embed 
what you know the tried and true hostry that typically brings in the majority of these dollars but then there's others that sort of use it as a medium of like you know i want to incubate new things get some audience development behind it and potentially package the format to sell as a like a longer form project a big budget thriller or something like that um i am on the revenue side of things and so the reason why I was particularly interested in this is because, you know, having been at uh, NBC Universal for eight years, um, very early on in my career, I had the privilege of working in the distribution group where I got to see a lot of the sales functions, right, and see how a lot of our affiliate networks run and just generally seeing how people, where, where they're getting return. And in working with affiliate networks, local stations around the country, you know, a lot of these folks out there, they're hitting the pavement in terms of, you know, finding these direct response advertisers, finding these, you know, local clients that are trying to, and really building up that value proposition for what it is that they have. And what an exciting thing, right? Podcasting, we often refer to it as a wild west. It still very much is the wild west today. Um, but I love the idea of not only does the podcast medium drive incredible results? And we've seen it. We've seen the number. They drive incredible results for the direct response advertisers that have helped build up this medium to what it is today. Um, but at the same time, it's providing more of a voice for brand awareness advertisers that are now just slowly seeping into podcasting. Um, they're seeping in through, you know, uh, programmatic media buying, right? More scaled buys. But over time, I wouldn't be surprised if I start to hear hosts talking about their favorite Nike sneaker, because that, you know, um, really brand building and getting that general awareness is largely like a big piece of it is like that personal endorsement element. So in many ways, the host read is that personal endorsement element that you saw from the early days of TV now making its way to podcast, well, has made its way into podcasting, has become a staple in podcasting. And I definitely see more brand awareness advertisers being a little bit more focused about the way that they talk about their product and sort of uh, the evolving messaging around it. And I find that extremely, extremely exciting. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. So um, when you look at really the evolution of where advertising has been in the podcast space and where it's headed, I guess I'm just really curious. Um, I feel like it has changed in some ways a lot, but it's also stayed the same in a lot of ways. So I, I'm just curious as your journey has progressed over the years, especially around rooster teeth, where would you say that um, that journey has taken you? Where did you guys start and where are you today? Day. You know, I think um, I, I, my head was going in a different place as far as like where we think that the advertisers were then versus where they are today. And I'll tell you that the trend that we're seeing today is just finding more. Um, we're trying to get smarter about measurement. We're trying to get smarter about, you know, how do you measure returns on their investments? And so you're seeing a lot more companies sort of come to the fold where, you know, they're providing audio attribution services so that they can properly measure what those returns are. And so I see more and more brands, direct brands, and more and more um, agencies that represent those brands jumping into it. And I think that is fantastic. I know that I'm not, I don't think I'm answering your question directly, but that sort of put me into uh, a journey right now, if, you, if you'll bear with me for a second. But like, the interesting thing is going to be in the whole podcast journey of it all is when there's such a shift to video and mm -hmm. YouTube in particular, mm -hmm. how do you properly measure that ROI 
when platforms like YouTube are still very much a closed ecosystem. So you're not able to, you know, properly get that data. Mm -hmm. um, so sorry if, if I went off track, but that's somewhere where my mind went to as soon as you asked uh, the beginning part of your question. Yeah. So, okay. So what you're saying is that in terms of where it's developed to is essentially that attribution piece is more important now than it has been. But as we're developing into video, because that's a closed ecosystem, at least on YouTube, there isn't the attribution. Um, and are all of your hosts still doing uh, in endorsement ads or host red ads or some of them, you know, moving to producer red ads? How is that looking for you? Oh, that's an interesting question um, because uh, so the majority of our hosts are still doing, uh, they're doing the host reads. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think all of them actually, I would not be opposed to producer reads. And I know that there was that study done recently by Brian Barletta and Tom Webster at Sounds Profitable there, where they were sort of measuring what the returns are. They were using Jordan Harbinger as an example of the difference between the producer read and the host read. And I thought that was fascinating. Um, but in my opinion, you know, part of the return, I, I don't want to take away from what the advertiser really wants. And yes, we might have a study that shows um, that the returns are pretty equivalent. The thing is, like, if my host is willing to do the ad read, they're the ones, not necessarily a show, but rather the talent, they're the ones that have built that relationship with their audience. And a lot of times, they like to put these host reads into their own sort of uh, put their own humor into it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to, you know, um, limit their creativity when it comes to doing these host reads, because we've also seen it with a lot of our advertisers. They love it when some of our hosts put their own spin on some stuff because it just comes off that much more authentic to their audience. And so, you know, we're, we're not against the producer read. Um, it's just to us, it's like, I don't want to call it the fallback or anything, but mm -hmm. you know, right now the host read done by the host is the what's really working for us right now, what the advertiser prefers. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I was listening to um, a Pushkin show the other day, and mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting because I must have listened to enough episodes because I listened to several of this podcast back to back on Sunday where I heard um, the host of the program do an ad for this product. And then I heard a producer, I presume, do an ad for the same product. And then I also heard programmatic ads and there's nothing wrong with any of them. I mean, I think that it's a you know, it's just a, a changing landscape and there's a place for all of it, but it was really interesting. And I know I pay a lot more attention to it than the average person does, but um, it was just, I was like, gosh, what is going on exactly? And I do, I do totally agree with you that when we can get the host to do the ad reads, they're, they're just so much better. I mean, even this morning when I was driving my daughter to school, listening to a couple of different podcasts and um, really when the host can start in with like, Hey, we've talked about this or, Hey, you know, this about me, or, you know, that about me. And it really does start as a story, even though I know it's an ad, I think that, and I think the audience knows it's an ad too, but mm -hmm. it still draws you in and you kind of want to hear, and you want to know, like, what did the host think of that product? Or if they are going to, you know, one of them was a comedy podcast. Like if they are going to say something really funny about the product, you're kind of interested in listening. Whereas mm -hmm. when it is a producer read ad, they're, they're 
there's just that level of separation that isn't as exciting. Um, yeah. And so I feel like the host reads definitely still are where I, I think we need to be. Of course, there are advantages to programmatic for lots of other reasons, but um, I know you brought it up- It also boils down to like the nature of the content too, for sure. right? For sure, for sure. the podcast, if you're tuning into a talker where it's like, you know, you really don't know what's coming out of it. It's you, you tune into it because the host itself, or you, you know, tune into this other podcast because of the subject matter. If you're listening to this riveting crime story being narrated by a respected journalist or something, for example, um, in that second example, you don't necessarily need the journalist to do the host read because your allegiance, what's drawing you in, it's that story, right? Mm -hmm. And so no matter where the ad is coming from and no matter what form, it might be that you're more forgiving of it because, you know, um, I came for something different. But if it's an influencer-led podcast, which the majority of our network are influencers, they've been for years, that's one where what, what the advertiser is buying into is literally their influence, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I'm giving them anything other than their personal influence, it um it's it it's a little disingenuous on our part really it's you know they're buying into them and then second part of that is like how you're selling it so there are networks that will sell the host read here's a host read for us it's important to package as much as possible and so we'll often packaging in things like uh, social media as part of like a, a bigger host read buy or more custom packaging. And so we want to make sure that that host read is the bedrock of everything else that they're buying into, because without the host read, this tweet doesn't necessarily make sense coming directly from the host, right? And so there's all these different things. There's, you know, there's certainly a science to it, but yeah, there, there's a, there, there's a world for both. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, gosh, and since you bring all that up, I, I find that so fascinating. And I think that advertisers are wanting more and more integrated campaigns where it's not just a host read ad, but it, like it comes with social, it comes with video, maybe it comes with, you know, just a layer of different um, touch points for the audience. Do you think that content plays into the advertising experience? I know you've obviously mentioned that most of your hosts are influencers. And I guess like we can, we can dream up, especially as ad salespeople, wonderful packages that are totally integrated where we could charge a bazillion dollars, right? For all of it. But where do you think that relationship is? And is there a way to, I guess, put together a campaign that's structured really well, great for the advertiser, but also great for the audience? That that is like the million dollar question right there. How do you make an advertisement so genuine and authentic to the content where it doesn't feel like an ad? And I think part of the reason why I love working here is because the influencers are all sort of comedians in their own right, or you know, storytellers, and they they're very mindful of their audience experience, right? The advertisers that they're willing to work with, it all has to be stuff like they mine the advertisers and everything that they're about. And they try to weave them into, it. I love the ones that try to weave them into the subject matter of that particular episode. Um, and ones that just accidentally fall and become a subject of the entire episode. I'll give you a great example. Um, 
just last week, our one of our podcasts, it's a fantastic podcast. I, I encourage all your listeners to check it out. It's called Podcast But Outside. It's these two comedians out in LA. They set up a table in random places all over Los Angeles, and they invite random guests on the street to appear on. They pay them a buck to appear on the podcast. And this one guy who they couldn't figure out uh, whether he was famous or not, he actually sits down and he said, this is a really nice table. And they said, yeah, they're actually sponsoring this episode today. I'm so glad that you thought it was uh, nice. It's just like, where do I get one of these? Oh, you can actually get it like two blocks away at this other place. And then the guest was just so amazed by the entire thing. He's just like, guys, this was the most authentic ad read I've ever seen in my life. I swear to God, I just sat down and I noticed what nice of a table this was. And then we just went off into this entire thing. That advertiser got so much bang for their buck on that one. And that's the sort of stuff we love to see, right? It's a stuff that sort of takes on a life of its own that you forget that you're doing an ad read. More often than not, we tell the host, okay, here are the main three points that the advertiser wants you to hit. Go with God. Mm -hmm. And the point with that is like, I can give you a script, but I actually don't want to give you a script because I am more curious and I trust you to go and do it the way that you feel is right. So if you find a way to weave that into the story, if you find a way to sort of make a joke out of it that feels good to you, that feels does right by the advertiser, that feels good to your audience, go ahead and throw it in. But the point here is that I want this to feel less like a task and more like find your own organic attachment to it where you maybe you can tell a story of something that happened to you in the prior two weeks that makes sense for a brand or product like Tushy, right? So we leave it up to them and we've gotten some really amazing stories out of it. Yeah, I will. And I love talking to podcast hosts that get excited about their ad reads because, you know, a lot of them do. And when you hear a podcaster that is able to put together a really well-constructed ad, you can mm-hmm. tell that they've had fun, you know, writing the ad and putting it together and, you know, or or even just ad-libbing through it, right? And so I think that there there's a lot to be said for that host that gets excited about ad reads. I wish that all hosts would get really excited about ad reads, but I wish that too. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because we're going into a pretty tough economic environment. I mean, we might already be there, but you know, it's, it's a privilege to get the attention of advertisers Mm -hmm. just as much as it's a privilege for advertisers to be able to work with certain publishers and podcast hosts. Right. Um, What I don't like seeing is when podcast hosts phone it in. Yes. And, hey, I got a year-long deal with XYZ brand, and they just phone it in. Um, And then, you know, we take those sort of moments and we remind them, hey, guys, they believe in you. Don't phone it in, you know, not just because they spent a lot of money, but because there's a certain element of trust that goes into when an advertiser works with that podcast. And if they've spent over a certain amount of money, Um, You know, there's not a ton of podcasters that that brand might work with, especially if you're a podcast that's hitting in the six digits and above, you're taking up a good chunk of their overall marketing budget. So, you know, they could have spread it around to other places, but they're choosing you and they've committed to you for a a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, don't take that for granted. We're going into a tough economic environment. You know, that that's it's a privilege to work with them, but you know, certainly also vice versa. So have fun with it. It doesn't have to feel like a dirty thing. Some people are like, oh, it's just an ad read. I don't think my my audience will like it. No, hold on a second. They don't want you to read off a script. Your audience doesn't want you to read off a script. They they will enjoy that ad read. Trust me, they will enjoy that ad read if you gave them something fresh, if you give them something funny. Give, tell them a story where you could have used a tushy product. Tell them a story where you could have used Squarespace or what have you, right? And they'll resonate with it. They just want to hear you tell a story. It doesn't matter if uh, you're getting paid for it or not, right? Right, right. No, totally, totally. Preach, AJ. I think you and I are both on the same page here, right? It's like, it's yeah, they, the advertiser is investing in the host and they're investing in your audience and and it's your job as the host to make the audience want to listen to what you've put together. And it shouldn't matter if it's an ad or if it's content, it should, they should both receive the same amount of attention. And that's how you really create good content. And that's why there's so much power behind podcast advertising, because when you have that marriage, I mean, the way I always look at it is, you know, gosh, I don't listen to terrestrial radio a ton, but when I do listen, it is like this weird knee jerk reaction that the minute that an ad comes on, you just change the channel because you're like, I don't want to hear all these ads. They're not really interesting. They string so many of them together and you just really tune them out. But I mean, I think obviously the big difference between terrestrial radio and podcasts is that you want to listen to the ads. Like if the ads are done well, you're going to listen and you're going to pay attention. And then ultimately when that audience has a need for the product, they're going to be more likely to purchase that product, which is how everybody wins. But from a host perspective, you have to be the one that's really engaging the audience. And if you take pride in making sure that every bit of content that you're creating really is engaging for your audience, that's, you know, I mean, that's when everybody wins. I love the podcast where sometimes people tune in just to go to the host reads. Like that's, that's very much the case for like somebody like uh, Bill Burr, right? And every advertiser will definitely attest to this where there are certain podcast hosts that almost make it all about the ad read. And, you know, even us at the roost, like Bill Burr is not partnered with us. We're partnered with certainly people in his circle, but like, we'll still use certain examples from his world of like, here's somebody that yes, you can't replicate his comedy, but the idea of how he does the ad read is that it's so memorable that people just think about Bill Burr. Here, here I am, a network that's not working with him that thinks about the way he does it. So mm-hmm. that's that says something. Yeah, for sure. Well, so let's talk about video because I know you mentioned that you guys do a lot of video and I you know, I've, I've talked about it a lot on the show. It's kind of one of those things that I really straddle, you know, the fence on a bit because I love audio. Like I'm an audio person and I will be the first to admit, like I rarely, if ever watch YouTube, really the only time I watch YouTube is when one of, one of my kids is like, mom, you have to watch this. Right. And I'll be like, let me see. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Moving on. And, and part of it is maybe that I just have a busy lifestyle and I've got a lot on my plate and I can listen, but I can't just sit and consume you know, content in the same way, maybe, but I know that there's this huge move toward video. And, um, I think the lines are becoming really blurred, um, you know, about 
you know, I, and I'm sure you've had conversations with people too, that either say they listen to a podcast and really it's just a YouTube video where somebody's sitting in front of a mic or, you know, you've got somebody, I've had people who tell me like, oh, I have a podcast and I'll be like, oh, this is great. And then I go on like to Apple and I'm like, I can't find your podcast. Why can't I find it? And they're like, oh, it's only on YouTube. And I'm like, well, that's not really a podcast then. Um, so, but there's, I feel like there's a lot of confusion kind of around the content. There's such a move toward getting into video, but I also feel like video is consumed very differently. So I know I just threw a lot at you, but I guess I'm just really curious what your perspective is on where we stand with video in the industry. I'll answer this by turning it on its head a little bit. The conversation is less about video. In my opinion, in our opinion at The Roost, we've long had this thesis that it's less about video, more about platform conditioning. What I mean by that is, depending on who you're trying to target as an audience, they have been conditioned to go to certain platforms for all content. So, you know, we typically say that you ask somebody what a podcast is, you might get a different definition by certain people and where they go for it. For sure. So I asked the the finance guy in his mid-30s, living in New York, commutes to work on the subway train. What's a podcast? It's that thing I listen to on Spotify. Cool. I asked the uh, 40-year-old housewife in Florida, what's a podcast? It's that thing I listen to on my Apple device. I asked the 21-year-old ASU student, you know, just about to graduate, what's a podcast side thing I watch on YouTube? So my follow-up question is, do you always watch it on YouTube? Nah, sometimes I listen to it, you know, I'll throw it on a second monitor while I'm doing my homework. Bingo, that's where it is. So it's less about having video, more about having some sort of presence on the platforms that your target audience has been conditioned all their life to go to, to consume, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes those behaviors change. Um, as you get older, for example, for Rooster Teeth, since we've been podcasting for 15 years, the majority of our hits came from YouTube very early on. As time goes on, that audience starts to age, their behaviors start changing. And so we start to see our audio downloads going up, our YouTube somewhat plateauing or sometimes going down depending on the show. And it's because it, having a multi-platform distribution strategy for your content allows you to stay engaged with the consumers that are now seeing changes where they still want to stay connected to the company or the content, but they have commutes. They have, you know, daycare pickup and drop off. They have all this other stuff going on. So they want to be able to pull you up on their Apple CarPlay. They want to be able to take you on their morning jog or something like that, right? So the the more important function here is to make yourself available to generally, I would say everywhere, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's important to sort of pull your audience and understand what the consumption patterns are, where they generally go to for content in general, just content. Let's throw podcasting term out the window just for a second and just think about where they go to for content. And if it's that they spend more time on places like YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, then you should be sort of taking your content strategy and sort of molding it to those platforms. Obviously, I just threw out social media platforms, which, you know, long form content necessarily doesn't fit there. But in terms of spending more of your time and pointing people back to the long form, see where those uh, those crossovers are, right? If you're if you see that your audience is spending an incredible amount of time on TikTok or Instagram, you spend more of your short form content strategy creating native content around there. And then you start to measure what your crossover 
rate is from TikTok, Instagram to places like Apple, to places like Spotify, to places like YouTube. That way you start to see where you should be, you know, more so funneling your audience, right? Mm -hmm. So that's generally our opinion on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that there is strength in a quality video product. However, I often get told that, um, well, I'm investing tens of thousands of dollars into a video podcast studio. And I'm like, no, stop, 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 stop. Um, people are tuning in because of you, not necessarily uh-huh. because of your backdrop. Uh-huh. Uh, um, you know, in some ways it actually feels more authentic to have less of a studio vibe, depending on who you are. If you choose to have your video on, just make it an inviting setting. Just, you know, make it feel like you're joining a conversation even though you're not really talking to them, you're joining a conversation that it feels like a very inviting environment uh, versus something that just feels overly produced. There is benefits to something that feels very produced, but at the same time, you don't have to really hang your hat on it. You know, you don't have to spend tens and tens of thousands of dollars to start video. Uh, in my opinion, and we actually just talked about this at the last podcast movement, we were doing a panel, uh, sorry, a presentation with YouTube on stage too, where we were talking about the way into video podcasting is just put your content on YouTube. You know, you don't even have to turn on video. You can have a still art, you can have an animatic, you can have whatever, just put it on there to start. If you see down the road that you're just like, okay, I think that there's value into having some sort of a studio setup where we're turning on our cameras. Great. Level up to that. Mm -hmm. But right now you don't have to be investing all that money just yet. Mm -hmm. AJ, I feel like I could just sit here for the next hour and just pick apart all of of what you've just said, because I think it's all so super fascinating. I think that it's amazing that you guys have been in this space for 15 years and that you've been able to see your audience grow with the content that you're creating like that in and of itself. I think in this ever changing, um, you know, entertainment media world is pretty crazy that you guys have that longevity. So like first and foremost, I think that that is just amazing that you've been able to track trends um, across your audiences. So that is really fascinating. I think one of the big questions I have that I feel like you touched on, but is definitely something that I spend a lot of time considering is that every platform is created to consume content differently. Mm -hmm. And I think one of, one of the the things that I preach often about podcasts is that there's a high barrier to entry, meaning that like you don't just stumble on a podcast, like you're very intentional when you're listening to it. It's something that you're you want to listen to and it didn't just kind of pop up. And I think that with a lot of social media and even with YouTube, you know, people kind of go down these rabbit holes where all of a sudden, um, especially with like gosh, you know, TikTok especially, and even Instagram, um, you know, shorts and stories and all of like the, all of those things, like they just are like, they lead you to a place where it's just like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I do think that it is so important to make sure that you're creating content for that platform because the people on that platform are gonna consume content the way that that platform has designed the content to be consumed. However, I think you made a really important distinction, which I don't think that we talk about enough. 
And I know like there's a million different reports and studies about how our attention span has shortened. And, you know, I know my personal attention span isn't what it used to be for sure, but I do always go back to this idea. I hate short podcasts. Like actually <laughs> there's a podcast that I listen to quite quite frequently. And for some reason, I don't know, I feel like he just hasn't been releasing as many episodes as he normally does. Mm. Or maybe I'm just like all caught up. I don't know. But like this morning I was like, oh, here's an episode I haven't listened to. I'm going to listen to it. But usually his episodes are like 45 minutes and this one was eight. And I'm like, oh, like I, I, I literally feel like I just get started listening at eight minutes. And then when it's over, I'm like, wait, where was the content? Like I want to get in deep. And that's what I love about podcasts and these long form conversations. But so is it less maybe about the platform and more about that distinction between long and short? Huh. I, I'm not sure I have an answer to that, but I, I guess I'll go back. Actually, no, that's, that's really insightful. I, I do think it's about how the content sort of like how it's been designed to live on platforms. I do. I definitely do think that there's a distinction between long and short. The problem is I spend enough time on places like TikTok to see that, um, gosh, not e you, I don't think you can even get away with, you know, having a short piece of a podcast on TikTok. You know, I see the multi-platform distribution strategy especially as it involves social, I always point back to native content on the platform that's not necessarily pulled from the podcast itself. Okay. So yes, it's a marketing tool, but when you start to look at long form and short form distribution centered around the podcast, it's about an overall brand strategy. It's overall, it's a brand strategy exercise, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If I have a true crime podcast that digs into certain topics, um, on TikTok, I need to start looking at generally what are, how is the most successful content on TikTok sort of cut um, and how is it, how is it formatted to get the most eyeballs and get your attention within three seconds? Mm -hmm. And so typically I'll give you an example, like if I had a particular podcast episode about all the different um attributes or character traits of a serial killer or something like that. God, this is a terrible topic, but, um, you know, on TikTok, that would involve making a list or something, right? A very visible, you know, list there. Um, so it, it would definitely take on a different structure. Uh, I always point back to creating things natively for that, because I think a lot of the, some of the biggest mistakes that people make, uh, podcasters make when it comes to utilizing social media platforms is that they start clipping up the podcast and they said, okay, that's short form. That's a piece of the podcast. That's going to get people hooked. I got to tell you, I see so many things that are sort of pulled out of context mm -hmm. and I don't know what they're laughing about. Right. I don't know. Um, really I feel like you've walked in the middle of a conversation because you have. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I'm not against it, but mm -hmm. it, it, you can't hang your hat on it. You can't think of social media platforms or ones that are designed for short form content as sort of a set it and forget it sort of strategy. I'm going to focus on my YouTube and Apple and Spotify and whatnot long form stuff. No, in some ways, like, man, you got to you got a 50 50. It's a 50 50 exercise where you're going to spend a good amount of your time. Again, it's a brand building exercise. Mm -hmm not just a podcast building exercise. And so you really got to lean on those platforms to tell 
a short form version of the overall brand that you're trying to build as a profile for the podcast. Yeah. And if you want more, check us out on right. YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's a great answer. So the other thing that just trips me out and maybe you have some insight is I was so excited at podcast movement when it's like YouTube podcasts, like, oh, wow, this is so exciting, right? Like we've been talking about YouTube, like mm -hmm. how they're going to, at least I've been talking about how YouTube is going to get into podcasting for a while. And I do think that YouTube walks the line, right? Like YouTube has tons of short form content and obviously they're going shorter now, but they also have lots of long form content too, right? And so um, I really do think that if YouTube you know, created a way for people to listen to YouTube for free, that mm -hmm. they could very, very quickly become one of the number one places where people listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Why they haven't, I have no idea. And I was so disappointed when I was like, oh, look, YouTube just created a landing page that says podcast. Like that's literally what it felt like. It didn't feel like there was anything really substantial there. So, I mean, I know obviously you don't work at YouTube and you also don't have a crystal ball, but do you think that YouTube is gonna go in that direction? Um, yes, um, and they they already have in certain territories actually. Right now, okay, so let, let me take a step back for a second. So, you know, obviously we did the presentation with YouTube. We're, we're pretty close to that team and we've sort of given them some of our thoughts on where, the biggest opportunities are for our space. And I think that they've really taken it to heart. I think that the landing page is just a first step of showing mm -hmm. that, hey, listen, there are all these great podcasts on our platform. Um, check them out. Hopefully we've abrogated enough of them, right? The next step there is basically, that's only a piece of helping with audience development and marketing, which is the number one thing that podcasts suffer from these days. It's not for lack of revenue. It all stems from marketing. Totally. How do you find something in over 5 million podcasts on any one platform? At least I think that's what Spotify I, Yeah, I heard uh, that recently. 5 yeah, million. And 157,000 active podcasts, I believe. Um, it's hard to find anything. And because these are you know, there's no network, there's no anybody out there, no one has like the magic bullet when it comes to actually getting the word out. But if anybody did have closest to what could resemble magic bullet, it is YouTube. Because if you take a look at the way YouTube curates content, if you look at the way that they lead you from one piece of content to another, and all their devices around suggestion, content suggestion, that really is the biggest thing that Spotify is missing out on. Um, you know, Spotify is taking a look at, well, this is my personal belief, you know, the moment YouTube turns, um, turns on the ability to listen to content with the screen off right there, that is a complete game changer, as you've said. And they're, they're currently doing that in Canada with non-premium uh -huh. users. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how that's, you know, faring for them. I assume it's doing pretty well because even myself, I tend to, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I'm, uh, I forget how old I am, but I, I, you know, I'm a millennial. So I'm sort of wedged between this world where I I've known a world without YouTube. And at the same time, you know, I'll just as easily find my podcast on Apple or Spotify. And so, you know, I can go any way. 
but I found myself so many times going to YouTube to find just content in general. And I would love to just turn off my screen and just listen to it while I'm doing an activity. Um, but because I don't pay for it monthly, it sort of prohibits me from doing so. Um, in the same way, I bet you there's a ton of non-premium users that use YouTube just for music listening, right? In the same ways that they use Spotify. And so Spotify currently has a leg up on them uh, for that, but it's not out of reach. And the moment they turn that on, I think, you know, we're, we're in a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, and I mean, in terms of searchability, one of the things that frustrates me the very most about podcasts is that I should be able to keyword search and you cannot do that with podcasts. And, you know, to me, why Spotify doesn't say, Hey, throw in a hundred keywords when you are posting your episode so that we could then help people find your content better. Like, I don't understand why they don't do that. So, I mean, if we can get YouTube to help us with keyword searches, just discoverability. And like you said, like you're looking for content around a topic usually or a genre and, and having that recommendation of like, oh, here's what's next or here's what's trending or whatever, like just getting that, I think, I think it will be a total game changer. Um, I know we need to start wrapping it up and you and I could probably talk for <laughs> quite a while longer, but I guess I'm just curious. Um, and I love your comment too, that podcasters don't have to start with video. If you're going to post on YouTube, just post. I would also say that a lot of the shows that we work with that have YouTube channels will be like, Hey, I've been posting to YouTube and I have like nine people who watch or listen, you know, but I, I don't. I think you obviously, if you're going to be on YouTube, you need to figure out a strategy to help grow your YouTube presence. Like it isn't just going to grow itself organically, but I also think that part of it is just that consistency of posting. And when YouTube makes this change, because I think we all predict that it's going to happen and it's great to hear that it's happening in Canada. Um, mm -hmm. I guess I'll have to hit up some of our Canadian neighbors and see if they can give us some input on how it's going there. But um, I think that, you know, when it happens on YouTube, if you're already set up with a hundred episodes on YouTube, that's just going to give you the advantage. So I would encourage people, you know, to, to lean into YouTube. Um, so in conclusion, what do you think is kind of the future for podcast advertising? Like as we look at this combination of, you know, we've just talked about all these varied platforms and there's opportunities for integration between social and your podcast and host reads, but do you have any predictions about where you think the advertising industry is headed? Um, I think it's definitely going to get uh, you know, I think we said it earlier in our conversation, it's going to get smarter about measuring returns. Um, I don't know if it's going to be through these different attribution service providers that currently exist. Um, it's quite possible. And YouTube is a close ecosystem. So if more and more sort of start to introduce YouTube as part of the overall mix, how much does attribution actually really matter when YouTube doesn't allow for it? Mm -hmm. So is there a world where YouTube itself has their own version of attribution that it serves direct to advertisers, which pretty much cuts everybody else out of the game. And it also depends on how big of the pie they start to eat up in the audio market, right? Um, I think it would be sizable. Uh, what, you know, I, I definitely see them taking up upwards of like, you know, 50% market share in just audio um, in the short term, as long as they, you know, once they start to roll out some stuff. Um, 
but the future of advertising, I think it's just going to be complex. I think it's just going to take a number of different forms. I think the conversation today is like programmatic versus like um, host read embedded. And I think it's just going to be a whole bunch of different products that we can offer to advertisers. What I really see is that, you know, some of the agencies and brands are probably going to start to more so um, uh, increase their competencies. So they're not there. I, I, I think we're going to be seeing less and less of the agencies that are just, you know, handling the podcast media buying portion of a brand's overall budget. Um, and just pouring it into host reads. And they're probably going to get more creative about packaging and the sort of, sort of things that they're willing to sort of accept from podcast networks. Um, they're going to be looking at the totality of all the different products. And I see podcast networks also doing something similar where they're going to start packaging in, you know, host personal social media and other projects that they have in the pipeline with them. So it might expand beyond the podcast at some mm -hmm. point. So I definitely see capabilities on every side, um, certainly increasing. And I think the other thing to sort of look out for is like with some of these bigger players coming into the mix. And spending a lot of money, the Amazons, the Sirius XMs, you know, what did they start introducing into these sorts of things that sort of put pressure on other, on their competitors to also make some changes? You know, they have some benefits on their end. Amazon could just as easily find a way to sort of plug e-commerce into the overall podcast buying experience, right? They can activate things like licensing into things. They could start operating podcast storefronts that are serviced through Amazon. Ooh, that's an idea, right? And start promoting Amazon web services and such. Sirius XM, you know, being able to activate these local stations, um, not only through syndicating content, owned and operated and licensed content, but also at the same time, like how do, how do they do these cross-platform media buys that not only include host red stuff that lives on the on-demand product, but also extend into local stations across the country, right? What do those packages look like? So I definitely see competencies increasing. Yeah, so much opportunity out there. And it's really great that we get to be part of the industry and kind of experience all of this. Um, so thanks for a great conversation today. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com uh, backslash IN backslash Adrian J. Feliciano, or you can tweet at me on Twitter at AJ Feliciano. Please reach out um, and love to talk shop. And, uh, you know, what I love about podcasting is it does still feel like a small community. And so even if we're not doing business together, like I find that a lot of people have generally an open door policy, you know, to ask questions. And as long as there's interest there and there's a passion for what you're doing, I mean, we're here for it. So we'd love to, we'd love to talk with everybody and anyone. Yes, I would totally echo that. I think that this is a great industry and super fun to be part of. Um, so thank you so much, AJ. It's been great having you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. Thanks, you too. And thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that it has been informative. I know that I have gotten a lot out of today's conversation, and I hope that you will think more about YouTube in the future. If you are interested in learning more about podcast advertising, please head on over to our website, truenativemedia.com, and download our advertising guide. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast advertising playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry. 